0: The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Oh, here we go. So password time. Yeah, come on then. Here we go.
1: Okay. Um, all uppercase words with the space in between. Tom Price <laughs> is a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so what happens now? Well, that we just start recording. Oh, God. Yeah. And I'm in your account. That's it. I'm terrified. And we just chat and, and you sort of sweat. And, <laughs> yeah. And then people listen to it and enjoy your pain. That's really. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Welcome along. It is my mate. Oh, I nearly forgot the name of the fucking podcast thing because I'm looking at. <laughs> Cause it's because I'm looking at something you bought, I know you said this is who wants to be a millionaire, which is not what this is, but that is something you bought, but we'll get onto to that. It's, I didn't. Were you, were you, bloody, This the other thing that happens, and we'll get onto this, is people just totally forget things they've bought and do, okay. and have this weird instinct to deny, deny, deny. <laughs> How far back do you go? Welcome to My Mate Bought a Toaster. My name's Tom Price, and that is the voice of the fabulous uh, comedian, actor, wonderful writer, her brand new book is out now, we'll get onto that, Uh, Andy Osho, who is already denying everything, preparing to be a politician, maybe.
1: Uh, right. Why well, I have no idea what you're talking about, but um, in real terms, uh, <laughs> I can't think of anything that politicians say, but I didn't do it.
0: All you've got to do is pinch your uh, forefinger and your thumb and point them at me. That's, that's the politicians. Oh God, the knuckle point, please. I want. So, w- w- how far back do we go was the question you asked before I started yes. talking a lot. Mm. Well, the answer is, Andy, mm. we're going back right to the beginning.
1: <gasps> what?!
0: We're going back to the year two thousand.
1: Holy hell,
0: crap! Okay, you yeah. are at this point um, living in. Uh, oh, I see. You're working for Blue Turtle Pictures. Is that the name of your company?
1: Um, bloody hell, yeah. Um, so I uh, was a I was the general manager of Blue Turtle Pictures. Okay,
0: yeah, right, right. What did that involve? Being a general manager
1: managing generally, <laughs> generally
0: <managed.
1: laughs> I um things I I was sort of in charge of the staff and um training and hiring and stuff. This is like in my days working in post production, which I did up until about two
0: thousand and three. Okay, right. So this yeah, is pre showbiz as a sort of pre talent in that case. Before you were on the right side of the camera and microphones. This is when you were. Well,
1: I was. Yeah, I was on the side of the camera. Who's to know whether which side was right for me? But mm-hmm. um yeah, I was. I was. uh you know desk based and working in a little sort of post production
0: basement in Soho. Well, you were a manager, and I can tell you, were a manager, and you good job very seriously because on the 29th of november 2000 one of the first things you bought the essentials of employment law
1: i didn't oh my god well i can guarantee that i didn't read that
0: i tell you what if anyone's got a damp patch put this down because that is dry (laughs) oh i mean should we should we dare we click through and have a little cheeky look at this uh a textbook for students of personnel and human resources you were a manager you see a reference for managers a reference source for managers
1: yeah i think what was happening was um the accountant allegedly was embezzling and um we were gonna have to get rid of her but i i ended up leaving before the whole thing got resolved but yeah she was yeah she was defrauding the company
0: allegedly oh wow Oh wow! So you, but yeah. you never saw you never saw what happened next. And when you say the accountant, are you referring to yourself in the third person?
1: <laughs> that, that's my that's my superhero name, <laughs> <laughs> the accountant. No number no, too big. Um, She's the impeccable. No, she <laughs> she really was. It was it was another person separate from myself mm. who was um, she was sort of uh, claiming holiday pay when she was in or so, something weird to do with holiday pay, right? Because at times she was freel- a freelancer and I don't think freelancers got paid holiday pay at that time. So, And then and then she would be doing other stuff when she was in doing accounts. So it was taking her like three or four times as long to do Ooh. the the company's accounts
0: because she was doing her own stuff. I mean, worryingly, A, that sounds like moonlighting and B, that sounds like how I approach absolutely everything. <laughs> do, you, do, do you find that? Like literally as I'm doing this podcast, I'm sort of writing an email about some other <laughs> bloody Radio Wales thing or something.
1: I do remember uh, when I, uh, one of my first reception jobs, I remember like writing jokes and plays and all kinds of things when I was on reception. Because most of them took their calls directly. So it's just like, what's a girl to do? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: And so did you know then when you were sitting, so you were sitting on a reception somewhere, this is a previous job, just be- just beginning, just beginning to piss around. It's all sort of basically making yourself laugh, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it all is a bit asked about face because I had a proper career. Then I started acting, and that's when I started doing like reception work and bar jobs and all the rest. So it's kind of weird, like going all the way back to those sort of elementary jobs after having ten years, uh, you know, after a ten year career in post production, like a proper grown up job.
0: Right. So this wasn't. So this post production was by no means a kind of oh well I've just arrived in the big city or I'm just arriving in Soho or whatever and I'll do this while I'm waiting for my actual true calling as an actor and comic. This was actually a proper like when Jimmy Carr worked and went and worked for BP.
1: Did he? What did he do? Oh, because he was in marketing or something. He was quite, in yeah, just wasn't quite he? successful
0: in BP and then suddenly went, Oh, I know, I need to be a comedian. <laughs> I'm
1: really funny. Um I Yes, exactly that. Because I went to Ravensbourne, which is, you know, it's a design school. And so part, one of the schools there is um, a TV production school, teaches you how to make uh, TV shows. It does lots of other stuff. It's got a fashion school and blah, blah, blah. Anywho, I went to the TV school. And so graduated, in theory, knowing a little bit about how to make telly. And so that's how I ended up going into post-production and doing that
0: that for, yeah, 10 years. 10 years. And at no point did you think, Late. oh, God, for God's sake, I need to be a turn. I mean, that must be very, very frustrating <laughs> to be administering and, you know, helping, uh, helping all the people on camera with emails and stuff. That must have pissed you right off. Do you know, it didn't occur to me. I was
1: just in my job. Do you know what I mean? But I was a kind of live for the weekend type of girl. So I was always out, like always down the pub, always partying at the weekend. And so I suppose I um, sort of didn't really think about the possibility of doing something else. This was my job. This is the world I was living, um, you know, living and working in. It didn't didn't
0: really occur. You were a weekend girl. Andy, that's your next book. Andy, Osho show, Weekend Girl. What does, I mean, that's, that's, I've got so many questions.
1: All the stories. Yeah, that's my main question. <laughs> Can you tell me the
0: story Yeah, no. Um, okay. Uh, well, here's something else that that to me suggests you weren't uh, a weekend girl, more a uh, retired in Somerset uh, middle aged man. <laughs> yeah. uh, you bought Inspector Morse Volume One. Wait for it. The soundtrack in December two thousand.
1: I, I don't think you're in my no. Amazon account. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I genuinely don't. Oh, God, I don't remember that. It's, why would I do that? I the soundtrack to Inspector Morse, That is a that's a weird one. There's got to be a story there. I honestly, Tom, I don't remember what that is about. We're going,
1: I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, mate. Well, you, like, course,
0: I mean, you were a weekend girl. You, who remembers what happens on the weekdays? Maybe you bought that on a weekday.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it was. I probably bought it during the week mm. and then, you know, tried to reset and, you know, tip the balance more towards partying uh, the weekend. I think that's probably oh, gosh, legitimately what happened.
0: Featuring you in some really cool nightclub in the early noughties. Mate, have you got that new album by Inspector Morse? <laughs> <laughs> So it's called soundtrack. It's, it's called soundtrack. He's <laughs> absolutely banging, mate. Colin Dexter, yeah, he's an <laughs> no turf. No, no, no.
1: Pete Tong got endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I, I genuinely don't know what that was about sorry it's not very helpful for this I've got like though. no recollection it's of funny. any of this
0: stuff but this is what this is what we learn on this show time and time again is just the amount of crap that we buy and we just uh, all these items unloved forgotten in our distant past yeah. distant past it'll pop into your head you know you'll have to text me when you suddenly remember it will oh, god. at some point it'll pop back that'd be hilarious head. Um, all right. I want to know 2001 nothing bought. 2002 we're back on it again you bought nine things over the year of 2002 yeah. a little bit of polyphonic spree love a bit of that groove armada this is all excellent excellent stuff Um, what else have we got here the Oxford Illustrated History of Theatre this is July 2002
1: right yeah there's a sniff now of like thespy sniff Mm. going on (laughs)
0: <laughs> what is a thespy sniff?
1: I don't know. Oh. I'm just like, there's interest, but I haven't com- completely committed. Because I remember I, th- I was going to a drama school, kind of they were doing that sort of poor school type vibe, classes in the evening and at the weekend so people could work during the day. Right. And um, yeah, but I was, so I, my work during the day was post-production. Yeah. And so it was, it was really hard because the drama school was very sort of fame like you've got one you know one chance and this is it and da da and you should commit and blah-da-da. and during the day my bosses were like can you just get on with your job and stop fucking around with this drama school bullshit yeah. so i was really caught between two worlds so in the end i had to decide like what are you going to do when once the drama school thing had finished i was like well i've got to commit to this i can't post production and being a post production supervisor is not going to work in tandem with going to auditions, so I, that's when I let all that stuff go and started doing, you know, the reception work, the bar work. I was a tequila girl at one point. Oh, wow! Hands down, worst job I've ever had. Oh
0: wow! You didn't have? Did you have the tequila glasses across? In that, as if they were ammunition in a wild west type scenario yeah
1: it was horrific i couldn't bring myself to wear wear them like across my body Mm. so i sort of found a way to wrap the harness around my waist and so i had the sort of shot glasses around my waist like a holster type of thing but like on my hips sort of thing but they gave us these like short gray mini skirts little tight waistcoat things i mean i had the legs for it then so i was fine with that (laughs) but it just oh it was horrific and because bear in mind i'm 30 right and so all the other girls are sort of like early 20s and (laughs) yeah fun and they don't mind going up to guys and ruining their evenings by giving them this rancid you know (laughs) cocktail of whatever it is the bar makes up because it's not even neat tequila oh really yeah the people that i work for they would mix it with this gunk, like lime and Tabasco. So, if you know, heartburn and a hangover and would make you vom, probably it's like the And they would charge like three quid for something that's probably about 50p. Yeah, yeah. And you just like people having just a perfectly nice evening. And then we were expected to sort of go up and try and hard sell <sighs> this muck <laughs> to them. And so, I lasted about three
0: weeks. Tequila, right. Okay. Tequila Girls is one of the strangest thing like in terms of one day having to explain to kids what things are well a tequila girl <laughs> uh, basically you just go up to people who are having a drink and offer, offer them another drink yeah you know it, it's you wouldn't do that in a restaurant you wouldn't be like a prawn boy and just go up to people <laughs> prawns who wants some prawns and i have already got some am i having a sandwich
1: prawns I do like that comparison. I mean, it is exactly that. Like hawking in a bar. Yeah,
0: and the kind of crowbarring in, it's a bit sexy. Sexy prawns. Hmm? It's it's just the worst. My only tequila experience was on my stag do. And I drank something like six tequilas whilst wearing my school uniform. And then the next day, and this is an indication of what a sad middle-aged life I've always had, I threw up on a golf course (laughs) pints and pints of tequila. That's that was my life.
1: (laughs) I love that you went and played golf or tried anyways. Oh my Well, I don't know. Were you playing golf? Or were you just lost? You just woke up on the golf course? I don't remember.
0: I don't remember. <laughs> it was during the time I was hacking into people's accounts and making them buy uh, more CDs. So <laughs> uh-huh. right.
1: that now it now it literally all makes sense. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta spice up your life in the bedroom. How about you go online and buy a sexy costume? Love it at this age doesn't have to be. Doomed.
0: Um, this is interesting. March 2002. I'm, I'm fascinated by, and we'll talk about this more. But this idea that you have got, and you do this again in your life. I know this because we're mates. But you do this again. You've got a very successful thing going on with, the, you know, the post production stuff, and you just go handbreak up. I'm yeah. going to walk away from uh, security and salary and office and future, and I'm going to go and sell tequilas uh, so that I can audition for stuff. It's yeah. It's, it's just fucking mental it's brilliant and i admire you so much for doing it and i really mean that because i'm terrified of everything so i just i find it incredible um you know you, you've got a pretty and this is interesting, this purchase in March two thousand and two, this sums up what I know of Andy Osho. So you've got the complete idiot's guide to buying and selling a home. So they've got this hard nosed business person making sure that you know exactly what's going on and uh-huh. right and you've got you've got plans. And then equally in the same purchase, a little light on the spiritual laws, the seven spiritual laws of success. It's almost like you've offset your home <laughs> buying guide. With a little bit of spiritual glitter just thrown in. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yes. Is that the Deepak Chopra thingy? Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I think that was probably my first, like, spiritual woo-woo kind of book. But also, a girl's got to find somewhere to live. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think what happened is I'd broken up with somebody. Right. And he'd um, low-key ripped me off because we owned a place together. But that's okay. And so I, he gave me some money out of – well, he didn't give it to me. He owed me some money out of he, the he, – He
0: gave you your money, Yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. And so less than my money, but whatever, like I say, I'm okay with it. Anyway, the point is I had to, I had a choice. I was either going to go traveling and then I started to have this feeling like I don't think that's the right thing to do with this money. And so I decided to buy Um, a property and it was like my first purchase by myself. And oh yeah, I'm so, so glad. I mean, like looking back now, I'm so glad I made that decision rather than going, rather than doing the traveling, which would have been epic and awesome. But I just, it, it, the, Buying that place gave me a foundation for when I did do this crazy thing of like you know turning my back on some sort of security of having a career and all the rest of it and sort of taking a leap into being an actor. It's just, it was just one thing that was just secure in my life. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but also um, you know because I'm doing the spiritual woo woo bit, I do need something that's a bit more tangible and sort of safe. So it's, it's always yeah. important
0: that you're doing the woo woo whilst you've whilst you're on a ladder whilst you've got your foot on a on some sort of property ladder. By all means, go woo woo, but just that, that you know that is that is solid advice I'd give to any kids out there. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Have a gap year, but just you know, have, I do 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 have a flat. Um, and, <laughs> but run a hedge fund while you're
1: on that gap year. <laughs> yeah, fucking
0: hell, fucking hell. you You probably can on an app now. Um, all right, so so you know you're, you're following your dreams you you're going as you say to quote you a bit woo woo uh you're getting on the property ladder we're moving into 2003 uh and we have got a course in miracles foundation for inner peace nice oh, gosh, jesus christ yeah. 23 quid that card. i know I mean, that would I'd, that would conflict with my inner peace straight off the bat
1: well and it's not a fun read. <laughs> <laughs> It is like it's the size of a Bible, like really that really sort of small print, thin pages like a Bible. Mm. And it was written by these two people who like I think in the like the 60s or 70s or whatever, like 1960s or whatever. Like not. So it's a very, you know, recent book. Yeah. And it's it's not a fun read at all. And it's supposed to be like really like eye-opening in terms of like spirituality and stuff like that but there's a woman called marianne williamson who's sort of she's um sort of analyzed it basically and written a very thin book (laughs) that's much more palatable right that i you know i recently found but course in miracles it's quite well known like in like spiritual terms or whatever but Gosh, it's not fun to Cause read. Because it, it's
0: just so long and dry and boring.
1: It's long and dry and boring. And I think they're trying to write it a bit, like, biblically. Mm. But it, it's quite hard in the 70s, I suppose, to sort of evoke that sort of pre-Christ type of writing style. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty dull. So I never finished it. And in the end, I threw it away. And then... Um, <laughs> You'll see if you scroll forward to two thousand and I don't know eighteen. I buy it again. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So you know it is biblical in the sense that it comes back from the bin. You know, <laughs>
1: right? Okay. <laughs> there, there is that. Yeah, it's the second coming of the cause of miracles.
0: Okay. All right. So looking for inner piece. Now this is a fascinating book. I've never heard of this. In June two thousand three, uh, you bought a book called For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide. What is this, please?
1: Yeah, this is a book that, um, it's a book of poetry and, uh, you know, just beautiful writing. Um, And it was introduced to me at, uh, when I was at Barking College. So I I did my A-levels away from school because I really, really had to get away from school, but I wanted to carry on my education. So I went to Barking College of Technology. And um, yeah, our, hmm, what would it have been? In drama, I think they, you know, introduced us to loads of different texts and this was one of them. And it was just like, what? is this amazing writing. So is it in Tozoki Shenge? Yeah, is that's that it, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah.
0: It's uh, It's got amazing reviews. Amazing yeah. reviews, loads yeah. of- loads I mean, of it's like
1: stuff. classic African-American text. It's like very, very well known. And um, I suppose that's why in drama classes that would have been given to me mm. um, because it's, you know, text written for, it's black monologues for black actors, actresses. Yeah.
0: yeah. I just—it's re- what's really enjoyable about this—is already we can see by 2003 how your life has changed because it's—it's <laughs> it's, you know in 2000 you're buying uh, things like Inspector Morse, but also Ali G <laughs> or Simon Sharma, A History of Britain box set, like great. But then by 2003, look at this sort of you know uh, horizons are being stretched here, right, artistically and creatively. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Having just said that, you uh, your horizons are being beautifully you know stretched, and you've got all these interesting artistic things happening. December 2005, Greatest Hits, Robbie williams so you know yin and yang yin and yang
1: wow i don't remember buying any of this music
0: it's christmas it's christmas time maybe just blame it on a you know a a rogue relative or to be honest i I love a bit of robbie williams there's no there's no Uh, no i me too i just don't
1: recall it i remember the polyphonic spree Mm -hmm. that uh I, i remember getting bang into them but yeah robbie uh, cool. Oh. I'll I'll just dig that out. I didn't know I owned that. Yeah, you did.
0: Yeah, you did. Um, all right. Let's move on then, Andy. Osho. We're going to crash on through now. Let's just let's just bang on for. We're going to go to 2007. And mm. by this point in 2007, um, you've bought in January, the beginning of the year, step mm. by step to stand up comedy uh, by Steve oh. Allen and Greg Dean. So have
1: you started? Hello. You've already been
0: doing stand up by this point, haven't
1: you? No. So I had been. I uh, just. No, I would have been in the middle of doing Logan's course. Yes. You know, Stand Up and Deliver.
0: Right. Logan Murray. Brilliant.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I started that in, when would that have been? November of 2006. Yeah, And I, yes, and then I I think we would have graduated Because it was three months at that time So it would have been, you know, Jan I would have still just come into the end of it, I guess and my, I think my first gig was in March of 2007 Right, okay, oh wow, so yeah. this is
0: bang on when it happens um, The reviews of this book are fascinating The top reviews, had five likes, uh, is by Kerry Godliman
1: No way! And it's
0: a review that I wrote when she was on this very show uh-huh. So this is now this is getting quite meta here on my Bought toaster. I'm about to re- yeah. read a review that I wrote on behalf of her uh, that goes: Bought this, made it to live at the Apollo. Uh, I mean, it took a decade, <laughs> but hey, this is where it all started. Got there in the end. <laughs> so
1: that is fantastic.
0: There you go. There you go. It obviously works. And but then to be fair, Osh, mm-hmm. I mean, you you bought this book, and when did you make it to live at the Apollo? Ah, uh, two thousand and. 11, I think. So if I were to write, if I were to say, write a review, seeing as I'm logged into your account, uh huh. could I maybe say, bought this, made it to live at the Apollo, and it only took me four years, Kerry Godleman. I mean, is that... Oh my God. Is that... that uh, yeah? It, right, and then sign it TP. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> bought this and made it to live at the Apollo. Kerry, love you. Apollo. Obviously, everyone loves Kerry Godleman. I mean, genuinely. And it only took me four years. Love you, Kerry. Uh, This 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 was written written as part of the my mate. (laughs) Good, yes, exactly. That's exactly what
1: I want. Check it out
0: now on (laughs) all good podcast
1: platforms. Exactly, a full disclaimer.
0: (laughs) Andy Osher not being an asshole. Tom Price being an (laughs) asshole. Yeah, right there, There right there, right there.
1: subscribe to our podcast
0: you know it's all about how to get the most out of your partner
1: and we're partners
0: so we know all about it it's good
1: get it wherever you want to get it when you go and get it from your podcast place richard and greta you know you know Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
0: Very good, very good, very good. So 2007 is when you started. So was that when I – because we were with the same agent back then, and I remember watching you. We were, did a gig together in Wimbledon, and you did this brilliant bit about going, ah. Oh, yeah, you when you're a kid and I was like oh she's good so simple so beautifully observed it was really well done I was like oh god another person who's better than me at stand up <laughs> oh, I can't up. bear it I can't bear it um so so 2007 the stand-up has begun um 2008 then um we've got some interesting things here again we see how curious you are Andy Osho, the new media monopoly. This is January 2008. Um, also, second of January 2008, the extreme future, the top trends that will reshape the world. I mean, do you just have a big hit of uh, of marijuana at the beginning of January and just like sit there, <laughs> like a bong and like, oh, man, I need to know about the extreme future. What What's going on here, please?
1: I know exactly what that was about. So I was trying to write a, this, oh gosh. Okay, so I wanted to write a film or play called the last Christ and it was set in the future and it was about this dystopian world somewhat like <laughs> we're in at the moment <laughs> and um, you know and it was this this idea that there was uh, Christ-like figures had occurred throughout our history and the last one had manifest and it was about trying to save this individual yeah and so I wanted to cr- realistically create what a dystopian future could look like. So I thought, oh, these these books will help. Didn't read any of them. <laughs> uh-
0: <laughs> of course, of course. But again, this is what we do on Amazon. We we rack up a load of things for for this kind of imagined person that we want to be, and exactly take them on board
1: and yep you know. yep and at least i still got them
0: unlike course and miracles
1: uh i kept them just in case yeah.
0: also there's there's a real you have a real january habit andy because you don't buy much stuff throughout the rest of the year but in january every year you buy real sort of uh life directional stuff 12th of january 2009 you bought these seven habits of highly effective people
1: Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Didn't read it. You know what happened? Um, is I, I think I'm an I'm an Aquarian, right? And I, whether I don't really hugely go in for the whole um, astrology thing, but it, it, there is something about in the description of Aquarians that we do like, like expanded thought, and I we're quite Id- idealistic. Yeah where it's an air sign so it's very much about technology and thought and you know the internet is if you're going to ascribe it to a particular um star sign it would be aquarius right so 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 all that sort of those big thoughts about what we can become I do genuinely find all that stuff really interesting and is that why not enough to read the books
0: I buy about it (laughs) obviously
1: but yeah so good
0: I'm an Aquarian but another part of being an Aquarian is that we can't be asked
1: (laughs) exactly <laughs> we just want to watch a documentary about it at some point on Netflix. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I, I do find that interesting, and it does chime with what you do. You know, you do find yourself in a position uh, uh, where you kind of go right, changing lanes, changing gear, yeah. moving, moving on. um And a lot of people don't don't sort of have that sort of panoramic breadth of thought to kind of go. I'm going over there now. You know, we all end up whether we like it or not, whether we're creative or not. We all end up in a bit of a tunnel. And you consistently seem to not do that. Like, all the books you're buying, they're really interesting. Like, I've never seen half of these books before. And there is a habit on this show. You see the same books again and again, especially when you're interviewing comedians. You know, you see the same mm-hmm. stuff. But there's stuff like this. Zero Limits, The Secret Hawaiian System for Wealth. What the fuck is this now? Yeah, that one, I don't, I, I'm looking back because I've got the, the. the,
1: the uh, like, those sorts of books on my top shelf, but I can't see that one. I, I don't know if I read the it. The
0: Secret Hawaiian System for Wealth, Health, Peace, and More.
1: Mm, that sounds nice. I might read that. Yeah,
0: this riveting book can awaken <laughs> humanity. It reveals the simple power of four phrases to tra- transform your life. It's a very quick book in that case. <laughs> Just four, four phrases. Move on, guys. Um... Done. It's a leaflet. Oh, hang on. Oh, there's a review. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, do you want it? Oh, God. Yeah, go oh, on. God. Did I write no, it? No, no. This, this is Kerry Godliman again. Um, <laughs> One phrase, not very good. <laughs> this says, uh, I was sadly disappointed and gave up reading this book after Jay Vitali's introduction. I recently heard about the Hawaiian teachings of Ho'oponoponopono, and was really excited to read more about it. But if, like me, you are more interested in learning more about the power of emotions than making millions of dollars, then this is not the book to read. It saddens me how so many American self-help authors exploit ancient wisdom for material gains.
1: I know what this is about. Okay, so this guy who wrote this was on, he was one of the contributors on The Secret, And I remember a friend of mine recommended this book and I remember starting to read it and just feeling like I didn't like the vibe of it. And I think it might be because of what that person's saying in the review because all all this sort of self-help stuff where the emphasis is on wealth and getting stuff and material, Mm. you know, gain or whatever. I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm more interested in expanding my horizon and having some sort of mastery, as it were, over the mind because, you know, our minds are so oh dear they're naughty sometimes telling us (laughs) things that aren't helpful you know and so to be able to 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 have a a healthier relationship with that is more interesting than having loads of money because i've had loads of money and been really miserable so i know that that's not the answer
0: this is the thing and i i always go on about this the number of times doing studio warm-up i have the you know i've met comedians millionaire comedians coming on the show Mm. fucking miserable and i know comedians Mm -hmm. are often miserable but but it's true i've never met a happy millionaire i know that People will be racing to prove that I'm wrong and, and present me with a happy millionaire. But they, there's something about the drive being, uh, being towards money and then presented with the money and then going, meh.
1: There's there's been a study that says, I mean, the figure varies, but that there's a, there's a, a number, like in terms of a salary that that once you go beyond it, your happiness won't increase any further. So basically up until this point, and sometimes I've read it's 50 and sometimes I've read it's 70,000 pounds a year, mm. but that once you get to that point and all your kind of material needs are taken care of your happiness doesn't really increase as that number increases because you know at the end of the day as you get more more money you invariably will incur bigger problems
0: yeah yeah because
1: money brings problems as as much as it brings like luxury and the ability to buy cool stuff it also brings problems (laughs) so like paying other people and tax and all that kind of crap so there's. It may to people who don't have it, they'll obviously say, "Yeah, right. I'll give it a go, anyways." But um, yeah, 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 you're uh, right. Like to yeah, give yeah, it a yeah, go, yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
0: I, I've had times when I've I've earned big chunks of money for adverts and stuff, and I see the money land in my bank account, and I have uh, known that the money was landing that day, and I've gone to my bank account and logged in and looked at it, and and wondered why I'm feeling numb. Sat yeah. there looking at the number, going, "Nothing's happening."
1: Yeah. Why aren't I jubilant? Yeah. <laughs> mad is it Yeah, I mean it's true. And and for me, I mean I'm scrolling forward a bit to like 2012 um where I was really unhappy, you know, and it was I was at the peak of anything a stand-up comedian at that time would have wanted and very miserable. Yeah. And very rich. Yeah. well you were. <laughs> so... You
0: you you know, you did like the Apollo in 2011 and just and 2012 and, 2012, and you fuck. I maybe it was on when we were living together in Edinburgh in 2011. And uh, was it on during that August? Because I remember everyone just going on about how amazing you were on it. Or not long yeah, it after? it could have been. It was around um, then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can't remember because I did. I, I did two shows at Edinburgh, and the first one I did uh, McIntyre's Road Show. So maybe, yeah, Apollo was 2011 when we were there and I was doing all the single ladies yeah. or something. Yeah, something like that anyways. But yeah, they, um, they, they, they were well received and they were kind of universal things that I was talking about. So they've, they've been repeatable. They've aged well. And yet you walked away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, what I did was I, my, my plan was just to have a break. That's why I went to the States. I was just like, I just need a proper big break because what was happening is I was sort of taking little uh, sort of days off here and there or taking a weekend away or a week away. And I was just exhausted throughout it and exhausted when I came back and it was telling me something bigger was going on. And so I went to the States just to reset and I started doing a little bit of stand up there, but it was quite demoralizing. LA stand up scene is- yeah a dud yeah. like they need some help they need a 99 club or a something Every, you know everyone I mean?
0: basically does six minutes of tried and tested cracker gags don't they that is that is it's, more that's, or and, less the
1: and there's a lot of people a lot of actors and and people who just want to advance a different career and you stand up to do it mm. so you'll see a lot of people who have got real amazing stage presence and t- Terrible material, (laughs) and it just used to make me furious. As I said, I've never had an impulse to heckle a comedian, (laughs) apart from Martin Besseman But (laughs) like, (laughs) I think think everyone, every comedian, like, agrees that that's appropriate when he starts saying like the weird stuff that he. I wouldn't even always. I
0: I think you've complimented him by calling him a comedian. He he, he doesn't deserve heckles; just restraints. Streets,
1: yeah so um you know it just just drive me wild like listening to these people I was just like write a joke but anyways who am I to judge but um yeah so I I I I didn't give up stand-up as such I just sort of it just sort of drifted away kind of like Jack in Titanic <laughs> just, I just pushed stand-up off the driftwood
0: I know but it was it was <laughs> you know I'm sorry to come back to it I'm a bit obsessed with money but you you, you had a lot you know you had it at your feet you were you were good to go man you were you were a made woman at that point it was like right tv shows and, and big presenting gigs were about to head your way yes and, right so jesus christ how was that moment when you phoned your agent and went listen thanks for getting me there i'm just gonna all the best
1: you know, they were very generous about this and, you know, we, we came to an arrangement whereby it could work me being there. But, um, you know, the other thing that I noticed was that I was, uh, you know, TV producers were very comfortable having me on, on an already existing established show, but nobody really wanted to take a punt on me having my own vehicle. Yeah, And I sort of looked ahead to what would be possible through me staying in stand-up in the UK. And it just seemed so narrow and limiting and I looked at the people who are further on down the line, looked at what they had, and I thought, I actually don't want that. I don't want to be on this carousel of um, uh, uh, what do you call it, panel shows, yeah. and being, you know, when you do those panel show pilots, and it's just like this one's about dogs, and you know what I mean, and it, it's just like it's news or it's dogs or it's music or it's films or it's something, and it just means we all have to sort of do crazy things, and I, I. I just didn't want to do it. And they're all great shows and they're really entertaining and all the rest of it, but they just, I realised they weren't for me and that's why I had to walk away. So... I'm so
0: happy to hear you say this because it justifies me never being asked on any of those shows. I feel feel a lot happier that I've never done them because I sort of genuinely, I would love to try and do those things, but I know that actually I'd end up in the same position as you and just feel completely, I don't know, you, you see... Yeah, that like you say, they're all brilliant and great and wonderful, but they're not—they're not freedom. They're not the freedom to do what you've subsequently exactly.
1: Going to do. Because what my fantasy was a sort of Daniel Kitson type career, and that's not the path I was on. Mm. And you know, where he—he he just does his thing. He is just funny, and he has his own shows, and he's not hankering after anything, any sort of fame yeah. or TV slots or trying to get on Apollo or anything like that. He's just doing his own thing, and that was my sort of because I see stand-up and I think a lot of people do deep down, see it as a a craft and an art form. And that's what I wanted to really explore. But I just didn't give myself permission to do that. I can't blame anybody else. I walked that path. Do you know what I mean? And then in the end, I sort of realized, oh, if you keep going down this path, you're going to get further and further and further away from any kind of craft-like experience in in, in terms of your creativity.
0: Yeah, but it's a gilded path. This is what I find so like... (laughs) I would just be going great that there, there is you know comfort and security and to have the courage to to, to jump off is is something else and and to, and to go to LA I mean how many contacts did you have in LA just heading out there seeing what would happen none none
1: I had to, I um, my agent had got me um management so that was literally the only thing I didn't know anybody thankfully I'd been out there on this sort of networking week and a lot of the people that I'd met actually they all found themselves in LA at the same time and so that was my that was my initial friendship group. Yeah, I had no one else. And then occasionally Brits would come over and that was really lovely and reassuring. Like people like Eric Lampert and he came over at one point and then, you know, Tori, my agent came over. Oh no, actually she wasn't my agent at that point. She came later. But yeah, so there was a lot of people coming backwards and forwards. And then eventually through doing classes and just going out, you end up meeting people. But I was terrified when I got there because I was just I don't even know what I'm doing here. Amazing. I just knew that I had to come.
0: I mean, that, but I find that, like you know day one it's 2 p.m in the afternoon you're in la all your friends and family and and colleagues are in london and you're sitting there what the fuck is going through your brain like i'll write a joke i'll I'll make a phone I'll, i'll email an agent what genuinely what are you thinking
1: I went through like three or four different spaces. One was, What the hell am I doing here? And I would literally be crying on Skype to my mum, just going, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I know I'm supposed to be here, but I don't know what I'm doing here. And then I'd get like super busy (laughs) and just try and hustle and just get myself involved in things. And then I just, and and then I would like try and learn as much as I could and try and do the things that people were telling me you should do while you're in LA. Because there's a lot of people who who are in LA trying to tell you how you should do being in LA. Yes. And a lot of it is bullshit. <laughs> a real LA Have you not around there? Yeah, yeah, it's a real LA <laughs> like, And they, they base it on their own failures. <laughs> and it took me two years of being there to just go, oh, ignore those people because they it's not working out for them. So that's why they're telling you, why that thing is difficult or why that isn't gonna work or why you have to do th- it that way. Yeah. Like what I went to one course and the woman was telling me, the person leading this course was saying, talking about crashing auditions like basically turning up to an audition uninvited oh
0: geez louise
1: and how to and how to do that and i was just like yeah yeah, yeah. turn up uninvited yeah, yeah, yeah do you know what i mean you know when you just like don't know anything you're like yeah yeah that sounds like a really great idea you
0: proper, that, that be- <laughs> proper mutley then
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what a ridiculous thing to suggest to actors like how unprofessional is that please That's tell me really you never gonna- did that no i never did it i was i was, I'd just be chronically embarrassed i just apologize if i got there and even if i did get an audition i'd be i'm so sorry about this i
0: remember seeing <laughs> you out good. there I remember, do so you remember we went for drinks out there when i was out there briefly oh i don't We when did we you went, oh i was out doing a, a torchwood convent, convention <gasps> oh <gasps> we right. we had drinks with right, matt right. kershwin and james Barkman, you and me and a couple of other people and i just remember thinking what the fuck is andy osha doing here what the fuck is she up yeah. to yeah But what it gave me, I mean,
1: I did get some nice jobs out there because obviously Lights Out and Shazam and things like that happened as a result of being out there. But um, I think the big takeaway, I had the time to write my book, but also I just learned so much and I, gosh, I grew. (laughs) But I did, I, I grew as an individual because I had to figure this new place out on my own. Yeah. And I had to figure out what I really wanted. I really had to ask myself some real questions about where, where do you want to get to? What are you after here? Because if it's not stand-up, then what is it? And what do you want your life, your, you know, your work life, your professional life to be? So I had the space to really um, ask myself those questions and get the answers. So it was invaluable in that respect.
0: Mm. You're doing it again, January 2012. January syndrome. The David Icke Guide to the Global Conspiracy and How Uh, to.
1: Now, wait, now, here, I can explain. That's the end of the (laughs)
0: podcast. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening, lizard people.
1: David Ike. I was just curious because I'd watched a couple of his videos and I just wanted to get to the bit about the lizard people. And again, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I just didn't get that far. He's quite angry. And yeah. I like that he asks the questions and joins dots in an interesting way. But he, I don't want to learn about what might or might not be going on uh, behind the scenes from someone that angry. Because no. obviously anger is fueled by an agenda or an agenda is fueled by anger. So yeah. That's not gonna work. But I thought I just thought it'd be quite cool to have a David Icke book. I think as I am <laughs> all for books. it. And
0: similarly, I he's got um I think two of his shows are on Amazon Prime. They might have been taken down now. But these oh, live really? gigs, huge live gigs at um at Wembley where he's playing to like, you know, thirty thousand people.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I just love the fact that he was like one minute he's doing grandstand yeah. and the next he's sort of like calling out the what are they call the Illuminati yeah. or whatever. Swansea 1, Illuminati
0: Six. And- um <laughs> It is absolutely fucking batshit. And what's really interesting about it is that I, I put it on thinking I'm going to be, I'm going to be impressed by it. I'm going to go. God, he's got good performance skills. God, he's got he's got uh, a magnetism. God, he's got mm. something that's luring these people in. And it was pure absence, a pure. Absence of anything, a vacuum mm. of oh. content and charisma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched about 15, 20 minutes of this thing, and he was just sort of doing this weird patter. Like he was like, he was just like a very shonky Noel Edmonds. It was really, Ooh. really mad. And, I, and, and these people were lapping up and screaming and just going for it. Wow. But he wasn't, I can't even quote bits of it. He wasn't even going, yeah, this government, we all know the Queen's a lizard. He wasn't even saying any of that stuff. He was saying <laughs> nothing. It was, wow. yeah, it's it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. The guys, um, you know, it, the sur- he's he surfed a wave of of um, paranoia and fear, but uh, yeah. uh, on a surfboard made of nothing. He, there just seemed to be nothing there. It was so weird,
1: so weird. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I mean, I, I've got it there. It's, it's largely holding up some other bigger books. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that's his main purpose he's doing, in my life. He's doing but his I, job. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad he's got a
0: function. <laughs> um, all right, let's skip ahead now, Adiosha, because we are running out of time, mm. and it's fascinating. Mm. Uh, so, when did you come back uh, from LA? When did you come back here?
1: Well, I was just uh, going backwards and forwards. So, I, you know, like I came back to do Super Shoppers and things like that, and um, but I properly um, sort of decided to move back 2019 right. um, because I just had this feeling like my time there was done. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't based on anything particularly. Oh, you know what it was? I left my agent. Ah, And okay. yeah, I had this big plan or well, management because they have managers and agents yes, in, in, in the States. So I left my manager and I was like, I am going to get such a great agent now because it was those guys that were holding me back. And so me, so Tory was now my agent at this point um, in the UK. And so we were sort of approaching all these um you know wmes all the big you know agencies and they were all kind of like Meh. <laughs> <laughs> and um either they wouldn't have a meeting or they'd have a meeting and they were very Meh. <laughs> and i had this great meeting with this one guy who was like i think he was icm or something and he was just kind kind of this you know like the agent in um uh an entourage yes he was like the opposite of him. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> he was always like an accountant. But he spent like the first 10 minutes trying to casually lean back in his seat and get his feet up onto like a... <laughs> a, a yeah, it was such a strange thing to watch. And I was like, do I... Uh, is this a test in some way of just watching him sort of knock? His legs weren't long enough quite to reach the thing. So you'd have to sort of shuffle down in his seat. To, I was like, why Why is this happening in my life right now? Anyway, he didn't sign me um, <laughs> and no one signed me. Uh, and so uh, so I was agentless yeah. and, and I was glad that I'd left the people that I was with. They were great, but just not right for me at that time but I didn't have another agent. So it's just like, well, I'm not auditioning for anything. And so- Why am I here? What am I? Yeah. Yeah. And so then it was really clear. Okay, now you're done. You can, and I noticed that my life was getting quite small because I couldn't be bothered to go and do things. Like I was going to the odd screening and, you know, meeting up with a couple of friends every now and again, but I really wasn't taking advantage of being where I was in the world. You know what I mean? Like going to see all these beautiful places and going to Yosemite and all the rest of it. I was just like, because I think I was, Emotionally, I was already on my way back home, mm. so it was just a case of actually getting the removal men in and really
0: doing that, formalising that return.
1: Yeah, it's
0: quite. I mean, that sounds like that sounds like you know following a not destiny. It makes you sound like a, a complete lunatic, but feeling like the, the the you were being told to do something. Like okay, here we go. Like you're going with the flow in this instance.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do reference off how I feel about something. I do sort of make logical choices, but usually the the logical decisions come after the feeling Mm -hmm. because I didn't plan I will spend you know six years in LA or I will become a stand-up comedian who gets TV work and blah 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 it was just like oh this feels fun yeah I'm liking this I'll carry on oh I'm not enjoying this anymore oh this makes me depressed I'm gonna stop you know
0: (laughs) and back I come Um, (laughs) yeah all right well in that case let's uh we've got you back in the UK now thank goodness um and uh there's all sorts of things going on in 2019 on your Amazon purchase history let's have a quick look through some of the popping off (laughs) Well, it certainly got busier. You know, 34 items in 2019. That's quite a lot. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, you've got some French thieves essential oil, October 2019. Ooh,
1: that is so good. It's um, it's like this oil right. that's made of, I think it's like eucalyptus, uh, cloves and something else. And thieves used to use it. They used to, when they grave robbed back in the day. They used to put it on themselves to stop themselves getting diseases from the dead bodies. Isn't that great? <laughs> and so this chiropractor recommended it to me. She says like, you know, there's so many germs and diseases on a plane or whatever. When you're going backwards and forwards all the time. And there was one point where I was just flying backwards and forwards to LA, like six or seven flights in a couple, couple of months. Yes, it's bad for you. So it, makes
0: she, it gets you ill, definitely.
1: Oh God, yeah. yeah. And so she said, put it on the soles of your feet. I mean, it reeks. It's you, It's the most <laughs> pungent oils you can get, like eucalyptus and clove and peppermint or something. Right. But um, yeah, and so even in COVID times, obviously I know it's not going to stop me getting it, but it's just really good for your immune system. Yeah. So I just put a little bit on the soles of my feet sometimes and then, um, yeah, protect it.
0: It's an interesting selling point. This, this is a scent <laughs> designed to overpower the smell of decaying corpses.
1: <laughs> it's not. The smell oh. the, the, the disease it's to help you grave wrong that should be the marketing
0: <laughs> such an appropriate uh sense when you're on a flight to la i mean it literally yeah. couldn't be better
1: i feel for the people around me because you get so used to certain smells that you don't think like how awful they must smell to people that aren't familiar with them so so sorry anyone that's been on a air new zealand la to london oh, flight. i recently. love
0: air new zealand um 17th of august 2019 i mean you know august 2011 there we are we're doing edinburgh together you're on live at the apollo and my McIntyre's roadshow, uh, August. 20 20- have
1: such. Ha- can I Tori? I just need to interrupt and say, like, our household with um, James Redmond and you and me was just the best. I had the best time that year. It was my
0: favourite Edinburgh. It was and mine too, yeah. for sure. I went back in 2014. Nice I had a miserable time. Yeah, because we weren't there. You, it wasn't you guys. We just had. We had. A, it was a good blend of personalities. It really was. It worked really, really well. I'm glad you said that because I felt the same way. It's good. Aww, um, lovely. Uh, but anyway, so at 2011, August, uh, August 2011, you were doing that. Uh, August 2019. Indirect's flea spray.
1: Ah, uh, now what has happened is <laughs> I had, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I know what it is. There was a, a local cat that kept coming into my house right. and it had been abandoned by the people that used to live here. And I, I have a cushion on my seat and it was in, this cat just was not playing. It would, every time I got up from my desk, it would sit in my chair. And then I turned the cushion over and there was all these little somethings. Oh, God. I was just like, what the hell? Because I'm not I'm not this cat's owner, so I'm not doing flea treatments and all the rest of it. But maybe nobody is. So I got the flea spray and I just sprayed everything because I was just like, this is great. Because this is where I sit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I...
1: And on the other side of it. <laughs> so. so what happened is after that, the cat got one side. Right. And then I got the other side. So if the cat so every time I got up from this seat I'd turn the cushion over so that the cat could have its side. Oh. And then when I sat back down I would have my side of
0: the cushion. There's something magical about cats. Dogs don't do this. The way that cats just sort of come they wander into your life. They physically wander into your life, present themselves and then one day they go. It's it's a yeah, beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. It just adopted me. And um, I think it was just like this house, mine. (laughs) And so it didn't matter who was living there. The cat's just like my house. Okay.
0: So nice. It's so nice. Sort of spiritually fulfilled, but at the same time, practically managed with a little bit of flea spray. Beautiful. beautiful (laughs) Yes, exactly. I can tell that you're writing away here. January, 2019, uh, you've oh gone dear. for the three do three D Shiatsu neck and shoulder deep kneading massager with heat and vibration therapy. One of those sort of Ooh. big scarves that have got the moving, rotating balls inside. So you can
1: Hello. massage. Is this
0: because you were writing the book?
1: Um, this is because I have constant sh- back and shoulder pain mm. from probably bad posture or whatever, but a friend of mine recommended it. I think I was on a Skype with him actually. And I was like, what's that around your neck? <laughs> <laughs> and, he- and then he sent me a link for it. I like got it the same day. And then I bought one for my mum as well. It's just magic. Oh, does it
0: work? Is it good?
1: Oh, it's good. Oh well, it, great. We'll, mm, we'll share it,
0: it. I'll share it on our Twitters at ToasterPod. Good, excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, d- I definitely recommend it. And also, I don't use the heat part of it because I think that's overkill. But like just the massagey bit. I, oh, mm, I can feel it now. Just getting right into the bits of the shoulders yeah. that get not. I get
0: stuff. my my bits of the sort of fatty muscle around the neck. Just 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 above the shoulders where the neck begins. There, the broad base of the neck. There.
1: Also, yeah, because you can you can just move it, and then it's got these sort of armhole bits, so you can you put your wrists in there and and then pull it tighter so that it sort of pushes down into the bits that you want to, that re- it to really get into and also because oh, it, yes. it,
0: it comes down the front of it comes down over your front so you can actually load it up with tequila shots as well <laughs> so <laughs> if you're a sort of middle-aged tequila girl
1: <laughs> which i am once a tequila girl always a tequila girl <laughs> my matey boy.
0: Right, let's have a quick look at your lockdown uh, 2020 all sorts of I mean this is this is where we get really domestic here. We've got oh. some mirrors, we've got some weed killer, um quality masking tape, zinc Hello. sash window fasteners twin pack. I mean this is all great stuff, Andy.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is this is a homemaker's uh amazon order list isn't it Yeah, love it i absolutely love it yeah i'm nesting
0: <laughs> yes you are yes you are you got a pop shield with spring-loaded clip which is working because i've not heard a single pop today so Ooh,
1: very good go. yeah this is all the home
0: voiceovers and whatnot that
1: we have to do now i bet
0: you were glad when lockdown happened that you were here and not still in la when you
1: oh my god so much so much i've got friends who were still out there and like brits that want to come home and american friends are just like this is nuts why aren't people you know the fact that wearing a mask has been politicised and all this sort of stuff. So thank Christ yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, came back. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And then
0: 2021, um, the last few weeks, uh, let's have a look, shall we, before we finish today, um, there is, oh, we've got to, got to find something good to finish on. Uh, well, oh, come on. Oh, this is perfect, Andy. Oh, this is oh, perfect. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it's just perfect. The 29th oh. of January, 2021. Uh, okay, you, two days after my birthday. Two days after your birthday. Oh, it's too beautiful. Oh, I love it so much. You spent £13.98 on Asking for a Friend <laughs> by Andy Osho. Have you bought your own book for your birthday, Andy?
1: <laughs> I feel like I always start with this, but here's the thing, right? Here's what happened. <laughs> um, I wanted to see when everyone's pre-orders would arrive. Is this why you bought two copies? Is this why you bought two copies, is it? Um, Well, I just thought I might as well, instead of just buying one, I might as well buy two, <laughs> but what I wanted to, because you know, because I wanted to see whether the pre-orders arrived for the fourth of Feb, which is when we sure. said the release date of the book sure. was, or yep. would it arrive? Mm-hmm. Would would yep. they be dispatched? Yeah, makes
0: sense. Yeah. On
1: the fourth of Feb, and then therefore arrive on the fifth or the sixth, depending on which.
0: Part see, of see we're
1: you are we're in. back
0: to the person working in management at the beginning of the show, aren't we? <laughs> you're ju- you're yes. testing out systems.
1: I, I, uh, do you know that is that is me? I do like to, you know, those things of don't do, a big sign and a button. Don't push this button. I will push it because I need to see what happens. And so this is an exact. This is an example of that of just like hmm, they said the fourth of Feb is the you know the release date. I need to see how that works.
0: (laughs) I'm going to check up on this. Um, And I can tell you what a wonderful book it is, not because I've read it, but I bloody will, Uh, but because my wife was lucky enough to get a proof copy sent to her, um, Asking for a Friend by Andy Osher, and she absolutely loved it. I remember sitting there, and I was like, what are you reading then? What's that then? She thought it's Andy Osher's book. I was like, Andy, fucking, what? What do you mean Andy Osher's book? (laughs) I went went proper high-pitched, and she absolutely loved it and said it was just great,
1: so... You know. Oh, that is lovely. Yeah, no, it's that was. I mean, that was one of the good things also to come out being in the states because a lot of it was written
0: while I was there. Mm-hmm. Is any of it set in the states then?
1: Yeah, a little bit actually. The one of the so it's about three girlfriends um, who are having no luck in their own love lives, so they decide to go out and ask guys out in real life, but for each other. Excellent. And one of the three starts out. She's in LA. T- kind of thinking: Do I want to live here? She's on a she's on a holiday. She's on a vacay, okay. but she's she she starts to have these thoughts, like because she's just constantly running away from her problems, and she starts to think, oh, maybe maybe this could work. Maybe I could I could come here and get away from my ex and all the things that I don't like about my life. Um, but she then she gets hauled back to London because her uh, one of her besties has just broken up with her boyfriend
0: again. I see, I see. Okay, so yeah. nice bit of it. And did you enjoy the process of writing it? Are you, are you is this is this where the future lies?
1: Um, I did. And I also uh, didn't uh, many times. (laughs) Um, It's one of those things where, I mean, I learned so much from doing it and i never, I thought it was going to be easier than it was, but then that was just me being naive because uh, just the number of words that's required (laughs) is, and you can't just do the same one. You can't just go and, 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 (sighs) and then present that to your editor. You have to have different words.
0: You've written and 90,000 times. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) that's what, it worked for David Icke.
1: (laughs) For God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so but the joy was when it was flowing and when it was working and then when you know you discover things about the characters that you didn't know before or that they it's almost like the book tells you what's next sort of Ah, oh, yes of course that's the next thing that happens or that character says that because that makes more sense and that ties it all together you know when those sorts of things happen that's joyful and obviously finishing it yes. was a, a blessed moment because you're just like seriously you're you're gonna print
0: this. <laughs> finishing it for real because of course you finish it and then you get some edits and then you get some more yeah. edits and all that stuff. So yeah. actually finishing it for real, it's it's such an achievement. It's amazing and you know congratulations on it. And it was so nice to see you on Graham Norton as well the other day.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, how was that? That was nuts. Um, I, yeah, I just got a message through from the uh, publishers saying um, that, yeah, they'd love to have you on the show. And what's weird is that they they said also that they don't normally have authors of um, fiction. It's usually, you know, celebs who've done autobiographies rather than an actual, you know, a novel. So even that in itself was just like, what? Mm-hmm. And because it was um, the new sort of COVID format as well. I think everybody was saying cuz everyone apart from me had been on it before and they were saying they really like this new it's a bit more chilled yeah, out. No, podcasting.
0: This... Podcasting with cameras.
1: Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I just did did my thing and just talked a bit about the book and and was just chuffed to be there, really. I, I I was sort of like the, the almost like the competition winner amongst everyone, <laughs> <laughs> just like grinning and
0: just going, can't believe I'm here. Wow, well, it's brilliant. You've definitely not won a competition. You are absolutely fantastic, Andy Osho. Um, thank you for coming and doing My Mate Bought a Toaster. Uh, the Fabulous Asking for a Friend is out now. Oh, look, it's 99p on Kindle. But who knows if that'll be the case at the time of this podcast coming out. That is my quick just have to, have to say that just in Caveat. case. There's a little bit of cheeky caveating there at the end. Um, <laughs> Osh, what a pleasure to catch up. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. That was fun. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're, your life is your own again. You're free to go about your business today. That You're done. This is your... No,
1: I think I'd like to have you in the background all day. <laughs> is that
0: <laughs> And so ends another delicious morsel of toaster. mm should be slice of toaster, Tom. Didn't think that through, did you? Get a writer. Anyway, I was <laughs> just hackling myself there. Um, thank you so much for listening. That is another episode of My Mate Bought a Toaster. Don't forget, you can go right now to patreon.com slash toasterpod and you can listen to the spin-off episode where myself and the wonderful Dan Thomas discuss everything that Andy Osho has been talking about over the last, what, hour or so. Uh, head over to, well, if only there was some catchy way of telling you the website address for the Patreon, even though I just told you. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Patreon, <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> patreon.com forward slash toasterpod thank you in advance if you get a chance to go to patreon.com there's all sorts of other bits and bobs as well i publish uh, a list of all the purchases with the links as well um and there's other bits and bobs as well up there you can get all of series 2 ad free uh and of course you get the latest new episodes uh, in advance next week's episode is with the brilliant Athena Cableno um, who's just got her own Radio 4 series. She's really really fantastic, uh, and she is going to be my guest next week, unless you go to Patreon in which case she's going to be my guest this Friday. Exciting times. Uh, Thanks for listening. You're the best. See you next week. Great big owl.
1: there I'm Yasmin Akram join myself and my friend Philippa Dunn each week for our podcast We Heart Worry a show about cars and their engines obviously not it's a show where we talk about our fears our worries and our anxieties in a bid to help you with yours
0: and we just have a laugh as well so join us there's nothing to be scared of I promise